0: We have reached the end of our journey through biblical literature so we're spending today and next Sunday in the letters of the New Testament 22 of 27 books in the New Testament are actually letters written to various communities and these letters come after the Gospels in order but they were probably written before the Gospels so they give us some idea of the most pressing issues and conflicts of the early church so you should think of reading the New Testament aside from the Gospels as opening somebody else's mail these are not stories these are nitty gritty diary pages from the lives of our early ancestors in the faith and they certainly weren't written with the intent that they'd ever become holy scripture So just imagine if someone took your cell phone today and started reading through your text messages and picking out conversations that they thought were worth preserving for some community in the distant future. You probably wrote those texts having no idea that they might one day become sacred words and maybe you would have changed how you were responding to your spouse or your kids in that group chat had you known. That's what's happening with the letters in the New Testament many of the 22 letters were written by Paul that is the same Paul who was Saul the persecutor of Christians before he was converted and he became quite the mentor and the encourager and the preacher to early Christians often sharing his wisdom via letters now I've got to tell you I've been on a journey with Paul And in my experience, he's quite the polarizing figure for Christians. So if you're willing, I wonder who of you loves the writings of Paul? Will you just raise your hand? That's great, I love it. And who can't stand him? Also, no shame, okay. I figured we'd have, and and some of you may be wondering who Paul is, and that's fine, there's no shame in that either. It is hard to be lukewarm when it comes to Paul if you've read his words either you love him you seek out his wisdom anytime you need encouragement maybe even have some of his words framed or embroidered on something in your home I have colleagues who would be happy to preach nothing but Paul for the rest of his career of their careers because his words are just that rich to them I kind of gag when I hear people say that but it is true there are people who love him that much That they just don't feel like they need any other scriptures. So that's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum is the possibility that your whole body has a visceral reaction when you hear Paul mentioned or when his words are read. Literally cringing because you can't fathom how Christians can venerate a man whose words have been used for so much harm since they were written. In my experience these are the two options we have when it comes to good old brother Paul hot or cold love or hate no gray no in-between and you should know that I am one of those for who who for a long time felt my stomach tighten when I'd hear people turn to his words it is Paul's words that have been used against me to claim that I have no business standing in the pulpit to proclaim the word of God Or to claim that I have no business inhabiting a church office because ministry should be reserved for men. It's Paul's words that have been used over and over again as Christian justification for slavery. It's Paul's words that have been and still are used by those who vehemently oppose same-sex relationships i've been on a journey with paul because it's hard for me to reconcile how the words i love from romans that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of god can be pinned by the same man who wrote the words we'll hear today that slaves should submit to their masters how do we reconcile those sentiments with one another for a long time avoiding paul altogether even the words of his that i love seemed easier than reading The words that i don't love so much and then having to say with some sense of conviction this is the word of the lord i share that because i've shared this several times this summer about other scriptures that never did i think i would willingly or unwillingly preach some of the words that we're going to read today in fact i told mary marcotte this morning that she inspired me to tackle this text (laughs) because we had talked about using hard scriptures in worship and i was feeling a little courageous after that conversation with her which is when i happened to be making preaching plans and mary said this morning i saw you were preaching that and wondered what in the world you're thinking so had she told me that before today we may not have this sermon (laughs) but here is what i ask of you if you hear this scripture and you want to shut your ears or if you're cringing instinctively when we get to certain words i'm just going to invite you to try as hard as you can to keep your ears and your hearts open this is the perfect chance to do what we've been trying to do all summer and practice holy curiosity and i do believe that there is grace for us to be found in these words it's just not as readily apparent as it is in some other scriptures and i am so grateful to the author rachel held evans who has been so formative on my journey with paul and so you'll certainly hear the ways that her writings have shaped my own thinking about his words throughout this sermon before we turn to scripture let's pray god of law And God of grace, we give you thanks for the ways that you break in, toppling everything we think we know for certain, showing us new ways to love, new ways to receive your grace, new ways to receive life and life abundant. Break in today, crack open our hearts that we might hear something new of these ancient words. In your son's name we pray amen so hear now these words from colossians beginning at chapter 3 verse 12. therefore as god's chosen ones holy and beloved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility meekness and patience bear with one another and if anyone has a complaint against another forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive above all clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teach and admonish one another in all wisdom And with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs to God and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him wives be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord husbands love your wives and never treat them harshly Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children or they may lose heart. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not with a slavery performed merely for looks to please people, but wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever task you must do, work as if your soul depends on it as for the lord and not for humans since you know that from the lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you serve the lord christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has been done and there is no partiality masters treat your slaves justly and fairly for you know that you also have a master in heaven this is the word of the lord Thanks be to God. Some scriptures make it harder to say that than others, don't they? We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Are you with me? I'm sure some of you had to learn to recite this in sixth grade. Let's continue. All legislative power herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate of idiots and a House of Fools. How many of you were with me? Yeah, but you know that the preamble to the Constitution doesn't say that. While it is not a perfect example, it does clue us in to how the Colossian Christians might have received Paul's words. They started out so wonderfully, didn't they? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. That's an instruction worth remembering. It seems to me like Paul could have stopped there. In fact, most couples who choose this as one of their wedding scriptures do stop there because what comes next isn't nearly so quaint. Wives, submit to your husbands. And so begins what are called the household codes. Have you ever been to a wedding where that scripture was read? You've probably been to one where the couple has chosen to, The scripture about clothing themselves in compassion but have you been to a wedding where they read the household codes maybe maybe not it might just be okay I see a couple okay I have a distinct memory of attending a wedding where the pastor read these words and it just felt like the air was being sucked out of the sanctuary many guests kind of looking around nervously at each other wanting to be sure they weren't the only ones who found those words cringeworthy And then it got a little bit worse as the pastor tried to explain how this submission would play out for the young couple. The young woman even submitted to the husband in the vow she made. And maybe that sounds pretty good to some of you married men. I don't think my husband would object if I told him that I wanted to uphold this instruction from Paul, but he's too smart to hold out hope for that to happen. This is one of my those scriptures that for me makes it easier to say what I don't believe than what I do believe and at the reception of that wedding I had conversations where people would say and that is why I'm not a Christian and my gut reaction was just to quickly proclaim we're not all the same not all Christians believe that and sometimes that's just the best we can do when it comes to conversations about hard scriptures It's just easier to proclaim what we don't believe about the Bible than it is to proclaim what we do believe. But the work for us and the work of faith is to figure out what we do believe. And so maybe this can be the start of that conversation for us. Here's the thing about reading those words at a worship service or a wedding service or posting them in a home as if they're unchanging instructions about how to live I think that's a missed opportunity to understand what Paul was really getting at to interpret ancient texts as if they were written for us today in the year of our Lord 2022 with culture as it stands today and assume that the authors were addressing the situations we find ourselves in today in Dallas Texas Well, that is the easy way out. Superimposing instructions from another time and another place onto our current society, it doesn't require much of us. It spares us of putting in the work to understand the context in which those words were written. And it makes it seem like we can follow the scriptures without having to think much about them or open our hearts to the possibility that they might change us. Remember what I said about reading someone else's mail? Paul didn't write these words to us. Paul knew nothing of Dallas, Texas, of Lakewood, of Northridge Presbyterian Church. He knew nothing of the year 2022 or the issues that would be plastered on the front page of our newspapers or filling the airwaves as we approach midterm elections. And that's okay because these words weren't written to us. They are for us, but they are not to us. They are contextual, addressing problems that we will only ever comprehend in part, because we aren't inhabiting Paul's world, just as Paul wasn't inhabiting ours. We the people of the United States, this is your chance to say it if you did have to recite it, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States which shall consist of a Senate of idiots and a House of Fools. Christians opening this letter would have immediately recognized that Paul was drawing on the prevailing sentiments of Greco-Roman philosophy about how households should be structured just as you recognize the preamble to the Constitution but as they listened they would have realized that Paul had written a remix of that code just as I hope you recognize the constitutional remix had Paul simply been rehashing cultural philosophy he would have left it at wives submit to your husbands but Paul goes on and gives an instruction to the husbands too: husbands love your wives and never treat them harshly husbands probably began to shift in their seats a little bit when they heard that because they'd never had instructions specifically addressed to them in those days So for every existing social code, it was all about keeping the people who were less than the men in their right place. And then Paul shifts that on its head by using those codes, but then telling the men how they need to act in response. So he offers amendments to the social codes. Children, obey your parents in everything. And fathers, do not provoke your children. Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and masters treat your slaves justly and fairly these are not quaint instructions to cross stitch or to print on a tea towel these instructions are a critique of society as the early christians know it and paul well he's just going straight for the jugular here you see the christians who were hearing this letter they were living in a Society where the prevailing philosophy was that was the idea that a free man ruled over his household as a sovereign exercising unilateral authority over his subordinate wives and children and slaves. And preserving this household structure was thought to be critical to preserving society as a whole. In fact, so many Roman officials believed that the household codes were such an important part of keeping the Pax Romana, the peace and prosperity of Rome alive, that they passed laws ensuring that these codes would be protected. It was that important to them. Paul's not introducing a new order. Or as I've heard this referred to before, the biblical view of marriage or parenthood or social structures. Paul is commenting on society as it already exists. These words are less about instructions and more an invitation to those earliest Christians to launch a revolution of love. Because for Paul, the good news of Jesus changed everything including all the long-held and revered social structures as they known them paul is asking with these instructions how can a man reign supreme when the good news of the gospel is that in christ jesus we are all children of god through faith for all of us who were baptized into christ have clothed ourselves with christ there is neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free neither male nor female for we are all one In christ jesus the only person who deserves a place at the center of the family is jesus christ paul is saying that's what he's getting at with these instructions and if you've read some of his letters you know that it's not just the colossians that he invites into this revolution of love he sends a letter to the ephesians too with a version of these codes which i encourage you to read those are the ones that read wives submit to your husbands as the church submits to christ and just like the ones we read this morning if you spend time with them you start to see that they are more complex than a list of instructions because if wives submit to their husbands as church submits to christ and if husbands love their wives as christ loves the church and gave himself up for her and if both husbands and wives slaves and masters submit to one another well then who's really in charge? No one, that's the point. You start following Paul's instructions and you realize that by the end everyone is submitting to everybody else. These codes are words of grace to people who know nothing other than their place at the bottom of a social ladder. This is a new order where there isn't hierarchy because all that matters is that Christians clothe themselves with love so that all of their relationships are marked by compassion and humility, not hierarchy. It has taken me a long time to grasp the good news of those words, and if they still seem harsh or off-putting to you, that's okay. But I'll share this with you. Paul begins all of his letters the same way. Grace and peace to you. Those are always his first words because that is what he cared about people getting no matter what else he was going to say in his letters to those early Christians. He wanted those early Christians to know for sure that God is a God of grace. And so when I read Paul and his words don't seem like words of grace and peace, Or when I hear Paul's words weaponized by people seeking to create hierarchies instead of break them down to keep people in their place whatever that place is that is a clue to me and I hope it is a clue for all of us that we probably have some work to do to understand what Paul was getting at because even in the most off-putting of his words there is grace to be found he was toppling everything over in the name of love even with the words that sound harsh these instructions were not written to us but thanks be to god that they are for us because this good news is for us too that in jesus christ we are one family there is neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free there is not male or female because we are all one in christ jesus our lord So I wonder what it looks like for you to live out that good news, where hierarchies and status crumble in the face of relationships defined by compassion and humility. That's the invitation here to the Colossians and to us. And it is just as much of an invitation to a revolution today that it was back then. So how will we bring about the revolution of love that Paul has invited us into? According to Paul, it's as simple as starting in our homes with those who are closest to us. Are you up for it?